Check into the Mohonk Mountain House and get seven enemas a day. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Everybody, welcome to Pod Cusack. I am your host, Matt Strickland, and this is the only podcast dedicated to and explicitly for Hollywood's most medium actor, John Cusack. With me, returning champion, so happy to have you back, artist, comedian, wellness provocateur, MK Doherty. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, wow, we're going to talk about a movie that I think very, very few people have ever seen. We're talking about The Road to Wellville, um, 1994 Alan Parker film. Let's just get right into it because we've had you on the podcast. We know your thoughts and feelings on John Cusack as an actor. Um, for those who don't know, Road to Wellville, it's a story about the ins and outs of one unusual health facility in the early 20th century run by the eccentric Dr. Harvey Kellogg, who actually is a real guy. Played by Anthony Hopkins, based on a true story. First off, Mary, what are your overall thoughts and feelings about this movie? Uh, It was uh, a really pleasant start and ended in a, my God, I wish I could forget everything I just watched (laughs) two hours. I will agree that it's it's less than, it's, it's a less than ideal film. Yeah. Um I thought I think just based on our brief conversation off air beforehand, I do think I may have liked it a little bit more than you. Um but before we get into the movie, let's just like go through the stats as always as we always do. Mm. Stats. Cusack number. That's how many Cusacks are in the movie. The Cusack number of this film Can is Can I guess? 1. Yes. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Only were you looking at my notes? No. <laughs> All right. Got to keep you honest. There, yeah, but there is only one Cusack, John, the only Cusack that makes an appearance. Rotten Tomatoes, 41%. Mm. You think that's too generous? Um, I think that's right on the money, actually. Yeah. yeah. There's enough that it's like not the worst film you've ever seen, but it's it's not great. Yeah, it's not until the end that you realize you wish it didn't happen. Um, It was made for a a budget of $25 million. Wow. And the box office was $6.5 million. So, okay. So a bomb. Yeah, that resonates. Which I think, I wrote all the main actors down because it's a pretty star-studded cast and I thought it was interesting what a bomb it was when you have, number one, Anthony Hopkins plays the, the main doctor of this wellness facility in the movie where everything takes place. And this is 1994, so he's coming off Best Actor Oscar for Silence of the Lambs, and then he was nominated for Best Actor two years later for Remains of the Day. So he's like at the peak of his career. And then you've also got Bridget Fonda, who's just coming off singles and single white female, and so she's like at the peak of her career. You got Matthew Broderick, who's not quite in his like 80s heyday, but he's still like a name. Dana Carvey, fresh off SNL, just started his own The Dana Carvey Show. So he's at the peak of his career. John Cusack, a couple years removed from Say Anything. So his star's on the rise. And Laura Flynn Boyle's in the movie, who's just, this is just after Twin Peaks. So you've got like six names of huge 
celebrities, huge nineties names in this movie. And yet no, not a soul wanted to see this movie. Absolutely. I, I do think that possibly what happened here is that as each individual was celebrating coming off of huge movie wins, they decided to stay at the Mohonk Reserve that weekend. And it just so happened that the director of the film was also there and then got them all caught up in this. They just happened to be shooting the movie and they were just like, hey, why don't you be in this period piece? Exactly. Like Laura Flynn Boyle was having a continental breakfast and he just barges in. Ba- barges in, paints her face green, and she's <laughs> yeah. like, now you're, this is your Put in this down movie. that stale bagel. You're about to be in a film. <laughs> well, the director of this movie is Alan Parker, who's also a name. He's done, you know, Midnight Express, Angel Heart, Mississippi Burning, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, that movie. Um, so he's like a name, too. So it's it's shocking how much talent is in this movie that then just fucking really beefed it. I'm I'm just gonna come out and say it. Maybe that's harsh, but I think this movie oh, yeah, beefed I agree. it. Beefed it. Beefed it. Let me read you the last paragraph of Roger Ebert's review. He gave it a positive review. He gave it three three out of four stars. He says, no. "I am not sure the road to Wellville will be enjoyed by everybody." So far, you're right. <laughs> you got it. And oddly enough, it may be the very people who the satire is aimed at who will enjoy it the most. If you like me have wandered hypnotized down the aisles of health food stores, entranced by products like TVP, garden burgers, soy milk, barbecued tofu, and the ominous slimming tea. And if you, like me, have lingered over the shopping networks as they advertise gadgets that will give you a new body in three weeks of six minutes a day, you'll probably like this film. If not, then all I can say is you are probably carrying around a bucket of toxic sludge and welcome to it. What? (laughs) You know what that makes me think? You, I just am imagining Roger Ebert, portly, little frog-shaped man, wandering around a health food store having his own personal issues. I feel like he, uh, I mean, he clearly has some self-loathing issues with how yeah. he, how he's he's probably aspired to wellness. Yep. And, 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 and this spoke to him in that way. And he spoke to him, yeah. But I, I read that because I... I thought it was funny. I read that out loud to you because I thought it was funny when I read it online that you and me, uh, you know, audience, me and Mary live together, just so you know. Uh, I'm not, Spoiler. I'm not, I'm not spoiling, you know, anything here, I don't think. Um, but <laughs> audience. If anything, you're adding to the at-home gossip. Yeah. Everyone's been wondering. Just tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the Reddit forums have been ablaze <laughs> every time we get on the podcast together they, they're like oh my god i feel like there's something going that on between the connection is too good they have a chemistry <laughs> unlike anything seen since hepburn and tracy but what um, audience what you don't understand is every show regardless of if, if i'm on it or not we are holding hands oh yeah it's really uncomfortable for the other guests that come on because mary's just in the background of the zoom mas- massaging my shoulders mm holding my hand, licking my face. And I'm face. holding his hand up. Like it's yeah. not in a down position. It's up. It's like up into victory. It's it's prominent in the shot. Yeah. Um but we do live together and we have been on a bit of a wellness kick lately, you know, yeah. making sure we have the right vitamins, we're buying the right food, we're uh, you know, drinking the p- appropriate amount of green tea every day. Yeah. Well, living through this panini you just want to get healthy 
I that, mean, this is too much. Is that what we're calling the pandemic? The Officially, P-name? we can call it anything that starts with a P and has three to four syllables. Living through this porous papyrus platypus. Oh, I think that was one too many. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, we've been living through this panini, so we're into this wellness. So you would think that that cast, this concept, and you know, all right, so again, audience, for those who haven't seen this movie or heard of this Kellogg guy, he it takes place in 1907, so it's... It's a fun little period piece. You get to see what the the wellness fads were of the early 20th century. And you would think that this would be right up our alley. It's like the perfect movie to watch at this point. I'll say in the beginning, I was mm-hmm. 100% down. Um, a, a film that focuses on the pure, amazing health benefits of bowel movements. Yes. Immediately, I was like, yeah, I do want to watch this. I I think about pooping all the time. Mm, yeah. And so do all my friends. I don't, but now I do. I don't uh, think it's just a woman thing. I think it's it's a lot of people think about how much they poop. I don't I think I don't poop as much as you or That's the that's the whole thing is you well, got to yeah. you know I have some friends who poop 5 to 6 times a day. Mm-hmm. I have some who do it every other day. I think we all want a good healthy poo. I mean, of course we all want healthy bowels, but that's what this guy, uh, Kellogg, the real life guy, he was obsessed with bowels as the way to a healthy body. But let's get into the movie itself. The Road to Wellville. It opens up and the opening sort of credit sequence is a is a sort of a fun sequence where you, you're seeing all these old women and old men doing all these sort of old exercises a lot of calisthenics calisthenics yeah and and like laughing exercises and really exaggerated breathing exercises looks like a lot of it looks like um what's the dance uh, the the swimming synchronized swimming yes a lot of but on land but on land that they later named dancing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that's the opening so it's sort of giving you a taste it's giving you a taste of the world and at first I'm like you. I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is like a fun world that I don't know too much about. And I was intrigued. And then we meet our hero, our star, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Mm. who comes out wearing like huge fake teeth and discussing all the things that he's for and all the things that he's against. He hates uh, sex. He's very anti-sex. He's anti-smoking. He's anti-meat. He's a big early, the real life guy and the character in the film, a very early like vegetarian. Uh, a proponent of vegetarianism yeah. because this was sort of made clear in the movie, but I, it maybe not clear enough, but he's a seventh day Adventist, right? Which is like a weird sect of Christianity. And they were the ones who really popularized vegetarianism in, in the 1800s, which I didn't know anything about. I think I did. That's buried deep in my brain. But as you're saying it, that, yeah, that, that does make sense. Yeah. Which it makes, it also makes sense that he's marrying like, diet stuff like vegetarianism to all this other stuff like he's very anti-sex he can't masturbate erections are bad he's anti says he's anti-romance novels but he's obsessed with your bowels yep um and he hates sex for the same reason that the general in dr Strangelove hates sex and it's like they're the women are trying to steal our fluids <laughs> and come is only for 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 procreation uh, and also, the, you lose your vital, your vital fluids. Right, that age-old idea that to take something out, mm-hmm. it would not regenerate. Right, which is interesting too, because you think about like the old-timey medicine of like bleeding, bloodletting. Yeah. So they'll you they'll you can lose blood and that's fine, but if you lose any of your cum, yeah, 
that's bad. no but it's interesting too because the idea of bloodletting was that you would lose you know the ghosts in your blood if you let them out so it's like a specific you right. if you lose like a pint of blood that's all your ghosts you're good to go so that's just another silly cotton but they i they must have thought you could regenerate it maybe i don't know i don't know liquids are precious either way shockingly that's not covered in this movie um, <laughs> that's true <laughs> it should have been but so this guy dr kellogg who i mean of course like the first thing everyone thinks of is kellogg's cereal mm. which that does play a big part in this movie and in real life he doesn't actually show up in the movie but in real life this guy's brother is the guy who founded kellogg's cereal yeah. company and became like a cereal billionaire but our main character mr john harvey kellogg he's the one who actually invented cornflakes. Um, and then his brother is the one who created His brother monetized brand. it. Yeah, because this guy considered himself a doctor and he was yeah. also very religious. So I'm sure to him, like trying to monetize it and create like a big company was probably too gauche for him. Right. Well, that's why this movie is interesting is because it does blend so much real medical history of the time with, a sort of uh, fictional narrative. So it's confusing in that degree, but I do remember that the original Kellogg's cornflakes were marketed as like, hey, instead of sinning, why not sit down and have a bowl of cornflakes? Mm -hmm. And I know that that was a thing. Right. I mean, yeah, well, that was the thing even up to like the 90s. I remember they were just like, oh, are you fat and your heart's not good? Eat some Cheerios. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I think that was about the ingredients of them. And I Maybe. think with cornflakes, it was more like, oh, almost like what is the, um, if you sinned, you had to do penance. Oh, so yeah. it was like, oh, to sit down and have a bowl of cardboard that's right. very, very thin. That would remind you of the suffering of Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood what you're saying. You're saying that eating cornflakes is a religious act. They were saying it as in order to not sin, why not have? Oh, to prevent you from prevent sinning. Prevent you from sinning. And think more about your right. life and what you're doing. I know you want to get out there and covet your neighbor's <laughs> wife. <laughs> why don't you? But why don't you sit down and have a big bowl of cornflakes? I know you love Janine, your secretary, and you're married, you floozy. So why don't you have a bowl of cornflakes? Cornflakes. <laughs> Part of a penitent breakfast. <laughs> yeah. But we meet Anthony Hopkins. He's giving sort of a lecture about, you know, establishing his character. And I will say also that his character, John Harvey Kellogg, him and Dana Carvey's character are the only two real people in the movie. Every okay. Everyone else is fiction. Right. And even Dana Carvey's character, the group, the, the daughter of that character got really mad at this movie because she was like, my dad was not a drunk. My dad was like a gym guy like he was a uh, he was also a health guy and and was like he ran a ymca he was what are you talking about which you know we'll get to dana carvey's character but that is he's completely oh, fictionalized as well in retrospect then. yeah so we jump from we meet dr kellogg and we like sort of he gives us a little tour around his sanitarium uh which is like a destination spa which the mohawk mountain reserve in new paltz new york is the setting where they filmed it. Stunning. Beautiful. I mean, amazing. It looks a lot like the Shining Hotel. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Just like three-tiered old wood cabin on a lake. Yeah. But the real Battle Creek Sanitarium is in Michigan. Is in, or was in Michigan. 
So this, I don't know, it wasn't very clear where this movie was taking place. They just kept saying Battle Creek. But did you know that it was no in the Great Midwest? Not at all. I just assumed it was where it was. <laughs> no, no. So the Battle Creek Sanitarium is in Michigan with the Mohawk Mountain House yeah. doubling as it. So we 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 meet Hopkins. We we see the like the whole vibe of this place. And then we start to meet our actual characters. We go onto the train where people are going to this town in Michigan, Battle Creek, where the sanitarium is. The sanitarium in real life became a huge, huge deal. John Ford, Teddy Roosevelt, the rich John D. Rockefeller, the rich and powerful of that time would go there and like, you know, spend a week, spend a month there trying to quote unquote get well. And why not? It looks like a violent spa. Like, <laughs> I would go too. Like I would it's, go right now. It's horrifying. It looks like a slightly nicer version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. They're like, we're going <laughs> to electrocute your balls, but it's going to really make you healthy. It doesn't make, make you healthy. feel better. You're paying for this. Yeah. But in real, in the movie and in real life, sort of the town around the sanitarium sprung up in sort of a gold rush way where it was, you know, the mine is maybe giving some gold, but all the people who are really making money are the people who are selling, you know, mining tools around the mine. And right. that's what sort of happens here in this town explodes in, in, in that sort of, and it feels like because it's 1907, that sort of old Western vibe. Yeah, and, it definitely does. And so here we meet some people going there for different reasons. Bridget Fonda and Matthew Broderick are a married couple. Um, but you can tell right away that they're, they're, it's, they're, Marriage is on the fritz. She won't kiss him. He can't poop. He can't poop. He can't poop. We were introduced. How long did he say it in bed? I think he said like weeks. Yeah, like three weeks. He, his his character introduction is a flush, and then a door opens, and he walks out of the bathroom, and she says anything, and he says, and he just shakes his head demurely, oh. and is like, no. So awful. So How are you wearing pants? It's clearly that's why they're going. But then we meet one of these guys who's just coming to get rich. And that is played by our boy. Johnny. The, the namesake of the podcast, John Cusack. And this is, like I said earlier, it's sort of John Cusack just post Say Anything. So we catch him at a weird time in his career. I think it's it's post Teen Idol, John Cusack. But before he really grew into his like oh, yeah. gross point blank. Uh, high fidelity John Cusack so he's like not a kid not yet a woman you oh, know 100%. Uh, and he's, he's got stars in his eyes yeah so he's going there to start a, a breakfast food business and it's it's the gold rush of wellness and they're all and they're all trying to go there uh, and this scene ends with Bridget Fonda hardcore describing oysters as bottom feeders and then mm -hmm. Matthew Broderick throwing up on another woman in the yeah. car so and that's when you start thinking is this movie about to be ridiculous yeah it's it it it, it really is a bait and switch yeah it's like isn't this a cool setting and cool ideas i wrote down or later on this movie is a thousand ideas in search of a story one on yes yes that is what it feels like. A thousand interesting things any one of them you could have like blown out to a story unto yeah. itself and and there's just not an interesting character or narrative to be found. No. Um, but they eventually get to the Mohonk Mountain House, which is supposed to be this sanitarium. And we get another scene of Hopkins, and he's sort of explaining Hopkins as Kellogg, and he's sort of explaining his theory. And uh, he's got a captive audience, and he under a microscope, he, he shows them shit. 
And then he shows them a porterhouse steak. And he's like, look, there's microbes in both of these things. They're equally bad for you. Yeah. And that's where we also meet Laura Flynn Boyle. We meet a very pale Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, and then we get a bunch more scenes. It's hard to like go through this plot point by point yeah. because it's just a jumble of scenes and it's like hard for me to either put them yeah it's in like context. looking at a laundry pile and being like in there is yeah. a shirt i like but they show up you know fonda and broderick show up at the sanitarium they they immediately go to separate bedrooms and they're immediately like vibing with people fonda's vibing with her doctor that she yep. met last time she was there and broderick's vibing with his hot uh, nurse, and here's where we get the real their real uh, disease is they're just horny as hell. Yeah, their real problems is is just horniness. And everywhere he looks, we see tits. That's where the the issue is. Just like you have to pick one. You can't debunk all of them because are you in like basically by debunking the not having sex being unhealthy idea. By saying that not having sex is anti-human nature. It basically seems like one of the points of the film. But then are they also saying the very big concentration on you must have a good bowel movement is silly? Yeah, that's an, uh, that's like, part of it. We should, like, right? I, we I'm, should poop. The tone of it is all over the place, but the only consistent tone there is is sort of irreverent, almost my, Monty Python-esque wackiness. Yeah. And because of that, it's impossible for us to decipher what, where the movie itself stands on wellness and health issues and stuff. And sometimes they're like, yeah, like it. They it's where what on what side are they on? Is Anthony Hopkins right or wrong? Is mm. you know? And so it makes it very confusing when they're trying to crack jokes about you know Matthew Broderick being horny. It's unclear if the point of view of the film is. He's being denied his the pleasures of sex, which are natural desires. Or I just I, I don't even know or what I'm saying. How much poop is is worse? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It is like a play written as an assignment by a child in middle school, and the teacher was like, "You got to focus on one thing in here because this got really hard to understand." Mm -hmm. But then the kid had a ton of family money. And he went to the Mohonk Reserve right. and he found all these actors and they agreed to do this play. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't turn in my paper, but, but I made this film. <laughs> I made this movie. I've done that so many times in, in yeah. college. I made Who a movie hasn't? instead of, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're, we're meeting all these characters. Another character we meet in this scene early on is Dana Carvey, who is a toothless, dirty, filthy drunk and it turns out revealed pretty quickly that he is the adopted son of anthony hopkins character yep. who in real life did adopt 40 some children too many um probably because he wanted children because he's a christian but he also thought sex was gross i'm assuming that's why he adopted all his kids oh and when you have a kid you stop having sex well he didn't have to have sex because he adopted them oh i see yeah but that doesn't explain why so many did he have a farm? Maybe he wanted workers, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe he wanted people to give enemas. 
Right. A lot of tiny hands to scoop the poop out of these old butts. We also get one of the first of quips I wrote down, which I think this movie, it's less of a script than just a series of quips because there's a line Mm, like, the tongue is the billboard to the bowels. And I can see Alan Parker, the writer, director, just like thinking of all these funny little turns of phrases and then building the script and story around them. Because every scene, there's just like another one of these. And it's, I don't know. There's just nothing. There's no content there. Um, but where? Let's see. I'm I'm trying to. I'm looking through my notes, but it's so tough because it's just like, yeah, Broderick gets a colonic and a boner. There's Here's, no cl- clear timeline. Yeah, clean thoughts makes for clean bowels. That's another one of these little fucking quips. Um, but the next big plot point is Cusack finally gets to the town. And meets up with Michael Lerner's character, who is like a con man, who from the get-go is like a con man, who's clearly conning John Cusack out of his mm-hmm. money, who's really John Cusack's rich aunt's money. Because he is his partner setting up for this, like, we're going to make cornflakes and become serial millionaires. Which, serial was like the Bitcoin of 1907. Right. Um, Except it wasn't made by electricity. Mm-hmm. Well, it was. Oh, so true. Yeah. Um, or I guess you could have made it with steam and coal. Yeah, <laughs> good hard, solid work. Yeah, hog power. <laughs> and the next scene is we see Bridget Fonda bathing in milk. Um, and we get to see her boobs as well. We're seeing everyone's so boobs in this movie. So many boobs. We're seeing the hot nurse's boobs. We're seeing yeah. Laura Flynn Boyle's boobs. We're seeing Bridget Everyone Fonda's boobs. Everyone looks fantastic. It's a good looking movie. The production design, yeah. the costumes. Oh my God, the production is my, yeah, all of it is, that's why it's so infuriating. I know, and there's, so like another thing that Kellogg did was he built all the, he was an inventor and he built all these mas- machines. So he yeah. would like build a machine to like electro zap your balls and or bowels and that was supposed to help you he would like build this thing to like slap you in the face and that was supposed to help you it was like all these like weird turn of the century inventions yeah like a willy wonka for poop yeah but part of the thing is they all look horrifying and i I, like they do look like it could be in this movie or it could be in one flew over the cuckoo's nest but the only difference the only reason we're not supposed to find it horrifying is the music is like it's just like this really kooky corky like the dialogue is just fast and bippity boppity the entire time but if you play this film on silent with like just one ominous tone it would be horrifying yeah so she's bathing in this milk and we see her boobs and it's awesome and then all of a sudden everyone leaves and then dana carvey reveals himself and this is another scene that is like very rapey and he's like he starts to slowly undress and it's unclear what his motives are but then the music again is just like and we're supposed to be like like, it's just a goofy time yeah is this supposed to be not a horrifying scene yeah and uh, you know eventually he gets chased out by some of the other nurses and there's like this slapsticky scooby doo fucking chase scene and we're just supposed to like move completely past the fact that Bridget Fonda was like oh my god am i about to be murdered mm-hmm. it had huge uh you see the scary man across the subway platform vibes you feel a little safe because of the distance and then suddenly you're in the car he's in the car Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the vibe he gave you yes which is like not funny yeah no it's very that's part of the problem with this movie is the tone 
is everywhere and nowhere. It's <laughs> Maybe that's a message on health, too. I mean, yeah. Uh, but then we get a flashback to Dana Carvey as a kid and how he was, like, weirdly tortured, um, you know, very strict punishment by Anthony Hopkins. And I guess that's supposed to explain why he is the way he is. And then we just get, like, a series of other scenes where, you know... A woman is talking about how bike riding is the best because you can get like a vibrating seat between your legs and it's like, oh, coming is is like, that's your wellness. And it sort of foreshadows the scene later on where I don't even know if this was a, a wellness technique that was popular around the same time, but I have heard of it before where it was just like these therapeutic massages, which like women of the time. Yeah, 100% that was an actual thing. And this is when it comes into play of this is too many historical medicinal issues occurring at the same time. Very good to focus on someone who's obsessed with enemas and has a whole building for them. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do want to know about that. I also do, and we have seen movies about um, the female orgasm, movies like uh, Hysterical mm -hmm. and things like that, and the creation of the vibrator. Uh, these are all so important to know. And if they did actually happen in one place, then that would be something. But they didn't. So to have this film created... What purpose does it hold? Well, it's like he did all this research on turn of the century wellness and medicine. Yeah. Thought it was also interesting. And then they were just like, what story do you want to tell? And he was like, I don't know all of it. Yeah. You know, he, 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 it, we could, I could see Alan Parker finding all of this interesting and not being able to control himself and cut anything. Yeah. Um, Murder your children. What is it called? Kill your babies. Kill your babies. Yeah. Kill your darlings. You gotta. You, you gotta can't kill do all those darlings. Kill them. What is a darling for if not to be to be murdered? To be murdered. Exactly. And so then the next scene is we meet Michael Lerner with he's having drinks with Dana Carvey and avoiding John Cusack, but John Cusack stumbles upon them, and then they all get together and decide that because Dana Carvey has the Kellogg name, he they can cut him in as a partner on their cereal and create like a rival cereal that will still have the Kellogg name and they can, you know, make a bajillion. What was a lot of money back then? Like six dollars, like six dollars horses. horses, six horse dollars, six horseshoes, probably six horse hairs, six horse hairs. So they can make six horse hairs worth of money. Yeah. Um, we learn that Laura Flynn Boyle has the hots for Broderick. That's another thing that's just like weird. It's weird casting choice. If Matthew Broderick is supposed to be this Lothario, who every woman in this Mohonk preserve wants to fuck. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if you, if casting Matthew Broderick was the right choice. I don't know. That is confusing because I, throughout it, was so desperate to mentally leave it that I did focus a lot on his face and body more so than I ever have before mm -hmm. in any other time. Sure. Um, and I was coming to the conclusion that he is extremely charming looking, um, though notably small. Like He's a tiny man. Much smaller than all of his counterparts um, in the movie. But out of everyone in that reserve, he did look the best and healthiest. Because yes. it seemed to be a reserve for people with incredibly wonky BMIs. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't make any woman want to get going. 
So BMI? Oh, what is it? Basmati? Basmati rice? (laughs) Basmati rice index. (laughs) Oh, you mean fat people. Body mass index. There were fat people there. Yeah, they all were. Yeah. Well, some of them were just pale, like Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah, but see, he's small. She's small. Right. They get together. Right. Every single other person was large. And I I don't know how that would fare for, say, like a modern uh, advertisement, like Planet Fitness. Yes. They're just like, we only got large people coming in. Then you'd think that's not working. Right, right. So at this point in the movie, then we also get to the next, this, this big reveal, and we learn a little bit about the past of Bridget Fonda and Matthew Broderick, which is so dark and so insane. We basically learn that she starts to blame him for not being there when she had her baby. And he's like, I wanted you to be there. And she's like, I didn't want you to be there because why would I want a drunk around? And we basically learn in this scene that he was an alcoholic and she lost her baby. And part of the reason that they're here is not necessarily to sober him up because she already did that by putting little drops of opium in his coffee every night that put him to sleep so he wouldn't go out to the bars. So basically she turned him into an opium addict. (gasps) And this we all learn in the span of 45 seconds and then is like barely touched on again. Yes, but you know what I just realized? Um, Opium addiction, heroin addiction, poop stops. Oh, how I didn't. Whoa, know that. deep cut. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know much about. I don't know much about the bowel movements of my junkie friends. <laughs> All of my junkie friends. Um, yeah, I'll look it up right now. But I do recall that being one of the negative takeaways. Otherwise, it's great, and I don't see any problem with it. That's really interesting. Um, but it 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 doesn't excuse how this is like this big reveal plot point that really stresses the. Oh, no, not at all. How their marriage is so strained and how she basically poisoned him every night and turned him into an addict and then is barely touched on again. Um, Well, that's one of the uh, consistent issues of this film. Yeah. They just laid something huge down and didn't even go back. Well, that's the thing is like there's three basic stories of this movie. There's Anthony Hopkins and all his shenanigans. It's him running around saying like, erections are the flagpole on your grave. And then there's... Bridget Fonda and Matthew Broderick, and that's like another through line. And then there's John Cusack and him trying to get his thing. And there's three different stories and no attention is paid to like the actual character development of any, in any of the stories. Yeah. They're all cartoon characters. They intersect very strangely. And none, oh my God, my cat is attacking my foot from under the couch. They intersect in weird ways and they just none, they're not developed in any meaningful way. We learn that Laura Flynn Boyle has green sickness. I don't know what that means. Um, she, They're like having this weird therapy where they're sleeping outside in the cold. She reveals that she likes Matthew Broderick, who then immediately just goes down on so her. So strange. And, they, and goes down on her in a way like, no, you've got a lot of room in that tube yeah. to pleasure her however you need to. But he's violently shaking around. And who? 
had he never gone down on a woman before or like be more focused? I would assume there's probably not that much experience with men of that time with cunnilingus. It was probably a little bit. He went in with such confidence. Yeah, he did go in. Well, that's what's confusing about it. And also there was like 50 other people out on this deck sleeping in their little tubes. Yeah. Surely. They're going to notice. Yeah, anyone would notice him just crawling awkwardly under her blanket, her yeah. tube and blanket. and then one of the tubes shaking like it's on top of the yeah. train. Yeah. It, it doesn't make that much sense. I mean, surely. Sure. It makes some sense. But, <laughs> well, but that's maybe every part of this movie. Surely, yeah. surely. It makes some sense, yeah, put, but none. Um, Amazon Prime, put that on the Road to Wellville poster. It makes <laughs> sure. some sense. No, it's got to be sure. Surely. Sure. It makes <laughs> some sense. Um, the nurse is also in love with Matthew Broderick. Uh, I mean, I don't mean. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Everyone's just super horny. We're flashing forward to Christmas. Call Meany, uh, the great Irish actor, shows up, and he is a proponent of vegetarian. Who also the characters are are told tell us the audience that he's written a fabulous paper on the clitoris. So I guess clitoral science was really in its infancy stage. Uh, I mean, sorry. Male understanding of the clitoris was really in its 100%. infancy. I guess clitoral science had been happening for 50,000 years. <laughs> since time began. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Cusack and company are trying to solve the recipe for cornflakes. There's a montage of them eating various batches of cornflakes. That's bad. Bridget Fonda's reading sex propaganda and become radical- radicalized. And that's another through line that like could have been something. Is like this you know, 1900s housewife learning about female sexuality and really you know like the ibsen play a doll's house sort Mm. of blossoms and comes into her own and it's just like barely touched on and it's it's i don't know it's like that's a movie unto itself well yeah that's okay so in a microcosm of all of these ideas there's at least one scene where you can clearly see why this isn't working and that's when bridget fonda uh, Colm, what's his last name? Colm Meany. Meany, and Cam Ma- Cameron Manheim. Yeah, and you, you, they're all sitting down having a meal outside on a like a beautiful veranda, and they're discussing the merits of sexual freedom, and Cameron Manheim uh, is like, oh, why not? And then just like rips off the buttons of her top and like her breasts are like a bit exposed on the top and everyone's cheering for her. But then all of a sudden Bridget Fonda gets up and screams at some woman for wearing fur, uh, pours wine on her and then they're all clapping. And Mm -hmm. it's like, these were two very separate ideas that you combined into one sort of like dramatic moment. And this is what's wrong with your movie. Like, I could have focused more if you were talking about sexual freedom mm-hmm. and then had that moment happen and been like, okay, I see the trajectory that they're on. But surely it makes some sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got me there. I, that's a great quote. That's going to work for this whole thing. Yeah. So the next scene after that scene that makes just some sense is a scene that's batshit where... Matthew Broderick and a couple of his friends there are doing the electro penis shocker therapy and then it malfunctions and the Russian friend gets electrocuted by penis to death as does the person administering the controller. controller. And then there's a scene where Matthew Broderick is obviously perturbed because he just witnessed the death of 
of two people and he almost died himself by this malfunctioning equipment, then runs around this sanitarium and runs to find Laura Flynn Boyle. She has died off screen. Mm-hmm. Then he runs to find, you know, the 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 assistant has, uh, of Anthony Hopkins has also just just died. And so we've witnessed like six deaths in the span of like 30 seconds. And it actually that's like the one that's like the one laugh out loud line that I thought uh, where he's just running around screaming. If this is the healthiest place on earth, why is everybody dying? <laughs> Which I thought that that line, that joke landed. There were a lot um, of lines in this that I was like, I love that. But it's like you said earlier, the director wrote a bunch of good lines and then wrote a movie around it. Yeah. it's So then after seeing all this death, Matthew Broderick falls off the wagon, goes to a bar. He meets John Cusack. He gives John Cusack money for his cornflake endeavor. Meanwhile... Bridget Fonda is getting like molested by Cole Meany, who's like grabbing her boobs under auspicious circumstances or reasoning. I'll I will say this: I want to point out Cole Meany is wearing Birkenstocks the whole time, which very I thought funny. was very funny. Very funny. It's never like there's not a there's not really ever a, even a, a close up shot of that, which I like that even more because I bet you that makes me think that Cole Meany that was like his choice yeah. to just wear Birkenstocks, what and it would do only be vegetarians seen, wear. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like hanging out with modern day vegetarians in yeah. the mid 90s and they're all wearing Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks, got it. I think my character should wear Birkenstocks and listen to Lilith Fair. <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> well, I meant the genre. Oh, I hear you. I know Not what you're like, talking about. I know it was also a fair. Yeah, you're talking about I'm a bitch. I'm a <laughs> That stuff. You know, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cheryl Oh, Crows. Sarah McLaughlin. You mean I'm a bitch. I'm a mm-hmm, lover. Mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette. Oh, she did that. I'm a bitch. Yeah. I'm a- <laughs> All these classics. Actually, uh, I might just cut in a example of Lilith Fair uh, genre right now. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. <laughs> I'm a child. Anthony Hopkins catches Matthew Broderick junk and he's been eating meat and schedules him for a non-consensual surgery. He says he's going to cut out the offending intestines, and then afterwards he says, your kink is gone. Kink, yeah. He describes it as a kink. Which is so strange, because now they're really conflating intestinal issues and sex drive? Yeah. Well, to him, because he's this weird religious... is my sex that bad that I just didn't know that they were that... No, this is fucking... I don't think my libido comes from my intestines. No. No, this is fucking weird. Okay, sure. But also, here's something interesting I learned about the real guy, John Kellogg, is mm. that he was so he was very very famous for his surgeries because he was so good at stitching. <gasps> so he would routinely do these non uh essential procedures on people where he would go in and cut out part of their intestines and sew it back up but he was so good at stitching that most of his patients were fine oh my god and it god. didn't even matter even though like they definitely did not need to have half their te- intestines removed can you imagine being so skilled in something that could make you thousands upon thousands of dollars but instead you get 47 children mm-hmm. and talk about poop all day. I mean, I think he was a very wealthy man. I'm just saying you could have time. a different kind of wealth. You could have yeah. a wealth where like, yes. you know, you lay around and eat bonbons. But he was, he believed in this stuff. That's part of it. And that's yeah. a thing that like after just doing very cursory research after watching the movie, that's what I wish the movie had stressed a little bit more. And maybe it's a problem with Anthony Hopkins 
portrayal of him because he's like, as, I'm going to portray uh, this Bugs as, Bunny. yeah, as like a Bugs Bunny cartoon character yeah. because he was a religious zealot and a zealot of this diet too. He was also like, they didn't touch on, he was big into eugenics and was like a horrendous racist. Oh yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, that's like a big part of it. But they were just like, oh, but it's, Anthony Hopkins is so fun. He's such a fun little corky character. We can't touch on the fact that he thinks white people's skulls are different. Right. Um, anyway, the movie goes on. It makes some sense. John Cusack's aunt comes to visit him and see how his cereal business is going, which then eventually leads to a situation where Cusack is revealed as a, a fraud Bridget Fonda starts getting these therapeutic massages by some German guy who's sing, singing sort of folk German music as he's fingering her. Um, Michael Lerner's character bails and leaves Cusack to settle his hotel bill and basically get arrested for all the fraud they've been doing. Oh, my God. There's a scene where Matthew Broderick has a male vibrator, which I guess just looks like a cup that he put around his genitals and yeah, vibrated. Yeah, with an electroshock Oh, belt. yeah. It looked like he was enjoying it. I was he interested. Did. He did seem to be liking it. I mean, stop me if I'm if I'm breezing over anything. You have to. Yeah. You literally have to. There's no other way to describe this movie. I mean, Michael, uh, Michael Lerner's character, who's the con man, is revealed that his name is Nevada Ned, which I wrote down because I liked it. <laughs> uh, the nurse and Matthew Broderick go out to start having sex on a boat but then they both say no we can't have sex on this boat and Matthew Broderick's like I have a wife and the nurse is like no because sex is bad and it'll fuck up your bowels because um, she is a believer in this whole sort of thing Matthew Broderick then stumbles upon the German doctor giving erotic massage to his wife and freaks out and like there's a little fight scene and he chases Bridget Fonda into the woods and he's just like, I demand answers. And then they, in the heat of passion, he says, but I feel good. I feel the best I've felt in years. And then Bridget Fonda's like, oh, I guess we can go home then. Because earlier in the movie, Matthew Broderick wanted to go home and she was like, we, you can't. So I don't know if this is supposed to be he's like sobered up, quote unquote, and he's like gotten over his addiction or no, what? No, I think literally they took weeks of poop out of his intestines and he had sex three times. Mm -hmm. he so he laid. feels great. Right. And it, that's that's the cocktail for anyone to feel better. Right. All right, Dana Carvey pops back up at the sanitarium and sets it on fire. Then there's another little Scooby-Doo chase scene, which is like the film is sped up, so it looks like they're being like super cartoony. Uh, the, the Mohawk Mountain House burns to the ground. Cusack has been arrested, but then the police wagon crashes into the fire station wagon, so he escapes. Um, Broderick and Fonda live happily ever after, and John Cusack invents Coca-Cola, and then Anthony Hopkins dies diving into the lake, and that's the movie. And I need a nap for 12 years. I mean, like, I, I if that didn't make sense to you, me describing that plot, Listener, I can tell you, he could have done no better. It feels like this movie was one of those movies that they make sometimes where as they're making it, they're like, this is going to be a cult hit, which are always bad because cult hits arrive because of like a na of a natural fandom that comes up around something that wasn't beloved, you know? Yeah. You can't make a movie with the idea of, that was like the snakes on a plane problem where it's like, we're going to make a movie intentionally to become a cult hit and then it just never really hits. Um, and I feel like this was one of those movies, and it just 
<sighs> they beefed it. What else can I say? They beefed it. I'm infuriated. <laughs> I hate that I had to listen to that rundown. I already watched it. I know. It is funny, audience. After we watched it together, uh, Mary just like didn't speak for a half hour. And I thought she was really mad at me. And it turns out she was because I made her I watch I was this mad movie. that this happened. <laughs> That's all. You know when you're so mad that you just can't pinpoint anything? And like I know it was the movie, but I'm just mad at the money that got put into it. I'm mad at the time and effort. I'm mad that theaters released it and someone ever went on a date and was like, should we this or should we that? And someone might have seen that. You had actresses like Laura Flynn Boyle and Bridget Fonda who are like, yes, I will reveal my breasts for exactly. this piece of art. Oh, the gift this. they gave to you. Um, all right, so that's the movie. L let's go on to a couple of segments before we wrap this one out because it was bad. Um, <laughs> Q Snack. Oh. We think he's a snack? I think such a snack. He's pretty cute in this movie. I did write down, I mean, he looks healthy, uh, young, glowing, uh, not so young that he's like um, still kind of like uh, scraggly like he was. He's got more meat on his bones, but it's pleasant, warming, uh, and he looks fantastic in a bowler hat. He does. I think on this podcast I've said that he wouldn't be good in period pieces, and I got to take that back take because away. he's like that's his his vibe bowler hat. The only man thing. I've seen that looks better in a bowling hat. Yeah, I agree. He's a snack. Um, do we think this is one of the movies he likes? Famously, he said, "I've made ten good films. I'm sure you know which ones they are. The ones that suck, I tend to blank out. It's like I never made them." I think we can probably safely say this. Is I not would worry about him if he enjoy if he liked this. Yeah. This next segment is called Coffee Tea Me. Of course, this is the one where we recast Joan Cusack. If she was going to be in this movie, who would she play? 1,000% Anthony Hopkins. Take him oh out. My Put Joan God. Cusack in there. I am charmed. I am listening. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say a couple other roles, but that would be, I mean, the best thing we could do is just get, keep her the hell away from this movie. Yeah. No, it's like, so don't true. inflict if it on If you love her, keep her away. And here at, you know, Cusack Nation, of course, you guys know that we love Joan Cusack here, so. Joan, our lord and savior. If we had to choose, it would be Anthony Hopkins, but let's just get, let's keep her the hell away from this. Yeah, get out of here. Fucking Save monstrosity. Her. Who was he dating and how did it impact his performance? So this came out in 1994, filmed in 1993. He was dating Susanna, Susanna Malovin, the sister of Wendy from The Revolution. Uh, and then Susanna also became the singer of The Family, which is another one of these bands that Prince All put right. together. And The Family was the original group who recorded Prince's Nothing Compares to You. Right, right, right. So he was dating... So I guess Ooh, so he's at in like a cultural storm of popularity, right? Like he's mm -hmm. like this is peaking, really. I would in say like underground like culture, people are appreciating him sort of way. I would say that yeah, but like Prince is I would say his peak is probably the mid eighties, his peak of popularity, but he's still cool. Oh, I just mean base level. John's dating a, a successful oh, musician. Oh, just a cool musician. Yeah. 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 That's when you're at your top. I mean, we've mentioned a lot of his flames on this podcast, but yeah, yeah this is probably the coolest person he's yeah, dated. Yeah, definitely. I mean, her sister was in the revolution. Yeah. 
So how do you think, what do you think he brought to that performance? Do you think that's just like how, why he, he was such a snack in the movie? Because he had so much confidence. You know what, that does make sense. Because I did write down multiple times, this is one of the performances by him where it's like kind of that in-between zone from when he was younger and being such a, like a beautiful try-hard and then going into his own where he could like kind of muster up his own sort of negative energy, which he brings to everything. But in this, he's in between, and I think he must have felt so good and cool. Mm, mm-hmm. He is kind of exuding a good and cool energy. I think that's that's a really good read on this. She she brought his yeah. his sort of confidence. Yeah, and it, in the same way, it would be like, you know, I'm dating you. You're so cool. But then I get a job that I hate. Every day I would go to that job, I'd be like, it doesn't matter how stupid this job is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know I'm cool. Right, right, right. That's right. the feeling he probably had. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel every time I go to my job in the next room. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. I don't need to worry about Muffin Titty, like, bullying me. You're scared of them. No, because uh, you give me the confidence. Oh, I see. <laughs> Hard to understand what was happening. I see they're your coworkers in this scenario. In this scenario, I yeah, see. Muffin Titty, the, my cats, my are my, two sons, are my coworkers. Oh God, damn it! Oh my God! Oh my God! Literally, he just reached out from under the couch and stabbed me in the foot with his claws. You were talking about you him. You son of a bitch, Muff. I what can't is that? Um... Believe that just happened. Play with the bull, you get the horns. Yeah, he must have just heard his name and was just like, oh, you mean me? Me, Papa. Oh, all right. Well, I think you're right on the money with that one. Perfect. (laughs) Let's go to a segment I call Tales from the Trivia page. Now, I went to the IMDb trivia page, and there was not a single thing I found interesting. So instead, I went to alanparker.com, where he has write-ups that presumably he wrote on all of his movies. Desperate little man. So these are facts. Is it his blog? I, I think so. These are facts I learned from Alan Parker's blog. A lot of <laughs> it, a lot of it is just like interesting historical facts, and not necessarily about the movie. Um, I learned that Kellogg names the Battle Creek Sanitarium a sanitarium, and he was the one who invented the word sanitarium because the word sanatorium had connotations of establishments specializing in the cure for tuberculosis, and he didn't want those connotations. Oh, so he changed one vowel. Yeah, I think people still would have gotten... Yeah. (laughs) People still would have been reminded. I don't know. This isn't heroin. This is heroin. (laughs) Yeah, maybe if he had named it like... Fun time play. Maybe fun time poop palace would have yeah. been a very different but truthful vibe. Kellogg was also performing daily daily surgical operations, removing large chunks of people's intestines with apparent abandon, but sewed them up so skillfully, many of them were unharmed. I love Hi. a surgeon describing as removing chunks, just the word chunks, removing chunks of people with, haphazard. A, with abandon. I'm performing surgeries with abandon. I want meatloaf to rock with abandon. Yeah. You know? I don't want my surgeon doing anything with With abandon. abandon. No. It also mystifies me. I didn't know that I could lose chunks of my intestine. Yeah, I guess you have a lot of it, so you don't need all of it. You do have a lot. 
Okay, so here here's a, a fact from the actual filming of the movie. We decided on, uh, so they filmed in Mohonk and New Paltz, they filmed the exteriors, but the interiors they all filmed in Wil- Wilmington, North Carolina. We decided on Wilmington because North Carolina is a designated right-to-work state, basically one of the 22 American states, mostly in the South and Midwest, who allow free flow of labor without the membership or non-membership of a local union. Oh, wonderful. So this motherfucker's a union buster. How wonderful. Who just filmed somewhere. He has all this $26,000 you wasted on this movie and you didn't even pay these fucking guys a union wage, you piece of shit. Piece of absolute shit. Alan Parker, you're a fucking scumbag. I don't care that you wrote Bugsy Malone. Or directed The Wall. Or directed Evita. Evita! I do cry for you, Alan Parker. Very good. Uh, He also said, this I found interesting. Sappy as it sounds, Bridget, Matthew, John, and Dana were all models of professionalism, making my life very easy as a director. Tony, referring to Anthony Hopkins, Tony found his own character, which I went along with. I can't say I wasn't nervous about it, but I had written a script truthful to E.T.C. Boyle's outrageous book, so Tony took a cue from that. Tony has the ability to rehearse a scene and then on take five, suddenly, like a champion javelin thrower, take it to a place you never imagined it could go. Whether this place is the right place depends on the director's faith in Tony's genius. To extend the javelin metaphor, is it a world record or did the judge just get impaled? What? (laughs) What? So I think he's saying well, I does... didn't really like Anthony Hopkins' <laughs> performance. And did he get murdered by this movie or what? His career surely did. I don't think he did much after. Evita. <laughs> oh, Evita, of course. That was a huge hit. Yeah. Madonna heard of her. Yeah. That was her claim to fame. Mm. <laughs> I think choosing Javelin as the metaphor is more telling of the person choosing the metaphor than the metaphor itself. I agree. This guy, that's the only what sport he knows. What school did you go to? <laughs> he was in, he, in his head, he was like, I can make two sports analogies. It's either Javelin or dressage. <laughs> That's not relatable. Anthony Hopkins. Not relatable, See, the thing about Tony is he's like a champion horse dancer. When he throws that lacrosse ball. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I mean, I hate the fact that he's a shitty union buster, but I also, I do like the fact that he was basically on his blog was just like, yeah, I don't know. Tony Hopkins sort of sucked in this movie. He clearly just did too much cocaine. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to our final segment, things I like, things I hate, things I think are weird. Mary, what's one thing you liked about this movie? Oh, the entire set. I loved it. I loved mm. it so much. I so loved you just the like town. the, you mean the Mohawk Mountain House. You just <laughs> like, you just like the, that hotel. I just want to stay there. Uh, yeah, I thought everything about it, the set design was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm going to say I also like the production design, the costuming, everything about the way the movie looked, I thought was pretty beautiful. And I liked the fact that we saw so many boobs. Just yeah, that boobs was really on fun. Boobs. Yeah. yeah, felt like olden days. We were just boobing it up. I feel like in this sort of thing, which is like maybe supposed to be a prestige picture, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, high quality actors and it's mm. uh, a story from history. It's a period piece. You just normally don't get that and also like that much sex or tits. Yeah, I would say one thing severely missing was Matthew Broderick's own penis. 
I know. Well, that's just you know the misogyny and sexism of Hollywood. We are do it. We'll see the we'll see the boobs, but we won't see. Let's start a little petition. We'll see that dong. Let's start. Cusack Matthew Broder, Nation, get out your little penis. Cusack Nation, get get on it, please. Can you we all start tweeting at Matthew Proderick? We need to see his dong. We need to see his little Matthew. Hashtag little Matthew. Yeah, love it. His little broad dick. Dick. <laughs> Shut up. All right, Mary. What's one thing you hated about this movie? I mean, there's so many things to pick. I would say the script. Script is awful. Is terrible. I would also say the script. I would say Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins fake teeth. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we didn't get to see little broad dick. Yep. Um. I will say also I did write down. Um. I never want to see a close-up shot of men's naked butts shaking violently mm-hmm, ever again because mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. was ever so unnecessary. And I instantly, there's nothing you could do but think of seizing chicken breasts all right. in a line. Right. And they did, I don't know what you call that that camera roll, but it was just like a slow from the far end to this, like... A dolly? Oh, awful. You mm-hmm. used a dolly for that? Mm-hmm. There was a dolly of butts, audience. Uh, old butts. Saggy butts. Just so awful. You saw all butts. their hollow parts. Yeah. I'm going to say I hate Dana Carvey's character and his performance. <laughs> yeah. That makes uh, sense. The character didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it's, it was bad. He was bad. You, you know, Dana Carvey, great comedic actor. What a waste. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming in the, his head, he was like, this is my foray into serious film, which was neither serious, uh, nor in barely a film. Uh, Mary, what's one thing you think is weird? What's one thing I think is weird? Again, a lot to choose from. That all of these stars were in this. I think that's very weird. I think that's insane of each of them. And were they bribed? Were they actually there by happenstance and just happened to want to be in this film? Like, I don't understand the motive to be in this at all. Yeah, I think it's weird that no one would have read the script and been like, okay, but yeah, why am I actually playing this character? Do they do anything? Yeah. All right, any final thoughts? I will say that I thought towards the end of the movie that I had a very good sort of like quick synopsis of the film overriding feeling of the film and it was it's the movie equivalent of meeting someone at a party who at first seems nice and innocent Mm -hmm. to talk to uh, but then gradually begins telling you very personal details about their life and you just start getting those like alarm bells going in your in your mind. They're just like, no, 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 right. no. Um, and then trying to figure out a way to get out of that. That's yeah. this movie. I, w- I, w- I think, audience, that is a beautiful summation of the road to Wellville. Road <laughs> to Wellville, more like the road to nowhere. Cue the talking heads. <laughs> They're here in the room. <laughs> David, why don't you come on out? Oh, he's eating chips. All right, David's busy. He can't play that, um, but maybe on the next one. Uh, all right, Mary, where can we find you on the internet? You know, you can just goog me, but Instagram and my website, mkdoherty.com, for some sweet little butt earrings or whatever comedic needs you have. Yeah, she's commissioning these great earrings all in the shape of butts. Really, um, really cool. Really good on theme with this film. Yeah. I liked butts first. What a happy accident. (laughs) Yeah. 
Actually, I'll say what a terrifying accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, somehow I don't think that the fact that the road to Wellville exists is going to really hurt your brand. Thank you. Um, guys, that was the road to Wellville. Uh, don't see it. It's not worth it. Save yourselves. Um, yeah, just listen. We did to this it for your, your welcome. And we did it much better. And uh, my name is Matt Strickland. You can find me at Strickbomb on Twitter. Tweet at me. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. John, we know you're listening. This is all for you as always. We miss you. We love you. See you later. It's Pacusac, baby. It's Pacusac, baby.